This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Thursday morning to you. I'll get it right today, seeing as I got it wrong uh, yesterday. You're very welcome along to the programme. We've got Bernie taking your calls 0818 103 103. Texts and uh, WhatsApp's also available to you at 0862 103 103 if there's anything you want to share with us. And today is uh, quite a nerve wracking day for the Leaving Cert class of 2022. We were talking about them last Friday when they picked up their Leaving Cert results. But today probably is even more important than the results day because today is the day for the first round offers for the CAO. And this is the day where the students who have worked so hard and they've had a difficult couple of years with COVID. But today is the day they find out if they get their first choice for heading off to uh, university. And as has happened before, many of the class of 2022 are going to be facing a knife edge points race with many of the high achieving students could lose out on their top college uh, choice. It's the third year now in a row that the squeeze on the CAO places is at unprecedented levels and of course this is all because of the COVID era inflated leaving cert grades. So of course there are now concerns that some students who will have met the points requirement uh, but that particular course will because they because too many people have applied for that course they will lose out on what happens with a random selection lottery it's where the number of applicants achieving the points cut off for a course exceeds the supply of the places so what happens is it isn't somebody pulling names out of a hat it's the computer selects those who will receive the offer so there will be disappointment uh, today and also many of the other top performing CAO applicants uh, may only be just one point below the cut off now previous previous to the last three years just one below would have given them a good chance of getting in and more than likely getting the place they certainly will be missing out uh, today and many of the 46,000 Leaving Cert uh, students will get their CAO first round offers two o'clock uh, today and of course they'll have an anxious moment because they are facing the uncertainty on whether they'll get their place or, or not and then on top of that they have an accommodation uh, crisis and that's going to leave some students who will get a place uh, today struggling to find some place to live 
and the fear is that some of them may defer their place. It's also the third consecutive year that the Leaving Cert result has been delayed until September. That, of course, the knock-on of that then is the later release of the college offers only happening today and it also shortens the term for the first years and I know the Education Minister Norma Foley is facing a demand from various representatives from all of the universities and indeed from the students themselves to bring forward the results uh, date even much earlier than mid-August. It's normally mid-August when the when the leaving results come out but there's a big push that they those results should be available earlier even than mid-August and the USI President Beth O'Reilly she says the leaving search has already placed undue stress and pressure on students. Then they've got the long summer wait for the results. Then there's a short turnaround to the new academic year, all of that creating further stress. And then she said securing accommodation was the biggest difficulty facing students this year. But first years will be in even an even harder situation than most with so little time left to secure a place to live. So there's still a lot of stress ahead for those students and indeed for their families. And while from leaving source to the other end of the scale to smallies, I spotted this online yesterday when I was uh, I was on I was, I was on Twitter. I was looking through just various feeds on Twitter's and comments coming in, and I spotted some comments coming in about Peppa Pig, and I was saying, you don't often see Peppa Pig being discussed on a Twitter. And if you've got young people in the house, smallies, you will know who Peppa Pig is. Or if you've had the last number of years, you've had young people in the house, uh, smallies are big, big fans of Peppa Pig's Peppa Pig, and it seems that the for the first time a lesbian couple has been added to the characters of Peppa Pig and it is to do with a character called Penny the Polar Bear. In a scene, Peppa Pig and her classmates are asked by their teacher to sketch pictures of their families that they're then going to put up on the classroom wall. Very typical thing that happens, I think, in most classrooms. Each student then has their turn to introduce their fam- the family member they've drawn and to describe their job and to describe their parents' characteristics. So Penny, the polar bear, she sketches a portrait of her family and she draws two female polar bears wearing dresses. Um, As she draws, she tells her classmates, I'm Penny Polar Bear and I live with my mummy and my other mummy. One mummy is a doctor and one mummy cooks spaghetti. I love spaghetti. And the teacher then responds, lovely Penny. And then later on in the episode, Penny's mothers are shown uh, arriving with the other parents to pick up their children after school has uh, finished and that, as I say, that storyline uh, got reaction on social media yesterday with many people praising the, the decision to show an LGBT plus family for the first time in the cartoon show's uh, history. One person on Twitter wrote, this is how young children should be taught about inclusion. This person says, we don't need to talk to them about sexuality at a very young age. We just need to show all types of families. They'll understand the rest when it is appropriate. And another person tweeted, an autistic character in Thomas the Tank Engine and now a kid with two mums in Peppa Pig. It really is a good day uh, for a representation. And that's the other uh, story to do with with kids and, and uh, kids programmes is that Thomas the Tank Engine has decided to introduce uh, a little aut- one of the trains are, is is has autism in it. It's Bruno the brake car, and it's actually voiced by a nine-year-old autistic actor by the name of Elliot Garcia, and that's going to be shown in future episodes of uh, Thomas the Tank uh, Engine. And the, the Bruno is described as a joyful. 
a joyful pun-making brake car who is detail-orientated, enjoys schedules, routine and knows where all the tracks lead in the area. The engine car can also use a lantern on his red exterior to communicate his emotional state if he's excited or if he's cautious. And he can even create ear defenders by puffing out steam if he feels sensitive to loud noise. And anyone who's a child with autism uh, will know, can absolutely identify with that. And the character and the storylines were developed by Mattel Television in cooperation with US autism organisations as well as autistic writers and uh, spokespersons. So well done to Thomas the Tank Engine and to Peppa Pig teaching children at a very young age about inclusion and that everyone, not everyone is the same and everyone can be different and we've so many different blended families at the moment and it just normalises doesn't it, the whole conversation 0818103103 Bernie is taking your calls you can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862103103 Mary has been in bright and early with the WhatsApp this morning and this is to do with the clocks going back next uh, month and of course the conversation has now really started with all of us being asked to reduce our energy and to try to keep lights off and not to be using as much energy as we normally use particularly as we head into the winter months and the argument now is well if you want us to do that then make the evenings as bright as you can so don't put the clocks back in October and Mary says oh Patricia why would we want to turn the clock back back, uh, next month just look at last night it was dark at 8.30 and we're only at the beginning of September what a long day it was yesterday couldn't get out for a walk because it was raining all day I feel your pain Mary it truly was a miserable, miserable day yesterday but you're right it was very dark very early last night so yeah it would be great if they left the clocks the way they were. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 and I have a funny feeling a lot of people will agree with Mary. Okay we're going to take a break and when we come back Advice, if you haven't switched your electricity lately, particularly with the news that Energia has become the sixth energy supplier to in the past fortnight to hike their prices. The firm is increasing the cost of electricity, gas and dual fuel to householders by double digit amounts. And that's coming in on the 7th of October. Is it time for you to change? We'll find out more next. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. Now, last week, when energy companies started announcing further price hikes for both electricity and gas, it was suggested that householders could face annual gas and electricity bills of €6,000 from early next year if prices keep increasing at the current rate. To cast a cold eye over what's going on, I'm joined by Owen Clark of Comparison website Switcher. I.e. Good morning to you, Owen. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you are welcome to the programme. Energia uh, became the sixth energy supplier in the past fortnight to hike its prices. That was not unexpected, I take it. No, no. Um, every supplier will increase prices. Um, I mean, the the source of energy and wholesale energy is, is coming from the same source. Um, and every, all suppliers are affected. It's it's typically just uh, it's when they go. It's not a matter of if they go. This brings uh, with energy yesterday. This kind of brings an end to this cycle of of rate hike announcements. But the question is, when will the next one begin? That's the unknown. Um, I mean, the the noises that we're hearing is that you know if things continue the way they are. It, there could well be more increases. I mean, we've had two very quick ones in the space of 
uh, kind of six weeks to, to eight months or uh, to, to eight weeks. It's and and they're sizable ones as well. We're working in the energy industry for for eleven years. I, I mean, some of these increases are like thirty nine percent. So this is really going to, to to hurt households, especially as we come into the dark winter months now. So I think there's a there's a genuine onus on on households to try and do two things. Uh, one is to make sure that you're on the, the the cheapest possible unit rate. So if you haven't switched uh, energy supplier, it's highly likely that you're on your energy supplier's standard tariff, which is their most expensive tariff. It it may have a small discount of, of sometimes five percent, but you know there are plans out there that have much bigger discounts, and you could switch to them and save money. It may also um, it may also be an option for people that are actually in a contract at the moment. So they're in a contract for a 12-month period. It may make sense to them, if their consumption is high enough, to leave that contract, pay an early exit fee, um, you know, typical early exit fee for, for electricity-only customer is €50, Euro, and move to a cheaper rate. Um, the challenge is, is that, you know, we don't know when when the next price increase is going to be. So you could move to an energy supplier and three months later, you know, they increase the price. But, you know, most suppliers will. But I think in the short term, you have to think short term with this, that our energy consumption is going to go up uh, during the darker months on the run up to Christmas. I need to be on the cheapest possible re- unit rate. I mean, your gas and electricity still comes in through the same cables, through the same pipes. The most important thing is that you're paying the cheapest possible rate. So that's the first thing that you should do. So you should take out your 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 last electricity bill, your last ga- gas bill. Look at look at take them out and 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 shop around and see where you are in terms of paying uh, rates at the moment. The second thing then is to try and not not an easy thing to do, but is to try and conserve energy and reduce energy consumption in the house. So there's things like turning off appliances, which you can do. So, I mean, many of us will leave on things like TVs, laptops, games, consoles. If you know, if if, if there's uh, kids in the house, uh, set-top boxes, uh, digital radios, switch them off when, when they're not in use. Um, they they do use up electricity, and over the space of a year. Things like that could knock about twenty percent off your. Yeah, I was bill. I was amazed to hear by leaving so many items in the house on standby. It could be as high as twenty percent of our electric bill over the year. That's a that's a lot of money, particularly yeah. now with the prices. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. The next one on the list then would be to turn turn down your your uh, turn down your heating a notch. And what I mean by that is. Most uh, households, you know, may have gas heating within the house, or, or may it may be supplied by electricity, but it'll typically have a thermostat, and that thermostat can be set to, you know, 26 degrees, 25 degrees. If you picture yourself and you're on holiday in Spain, if someone said to you you could walk down the road at 25 degrees in a pair of shorts, you'd be very happy. You don't need that level of heat in in your home. You can knock that down by a couple of degrees. Just by knocking it down one degree can save you ten percent on your on your annual bill. So I think it will come to a case where we say, okay, I'm going to knock that down a notch uh, during the winter time uh, at certain times and save money. But then maybe what I'll do is I'll wear an extra layer, etc. So um, that turning down your terms that will will definitely make a difference. Things like closing your windows 
obviously keeping the heat within your house, trying to look to, to block any drafts. Um, close your curtains at night. That keeps keeps the heat in. Uh, but don't hang your curtains over the radiators because what will happen is the heat will escape up through and towards the window. So if you do have radiator or curtains next to your radiators, make sure they're not blocking it. What you want is that heat to remain in the house. Next one up on the list will be uh, if you're taking showers. Um, and again, this might apply to, you know, a family with young kids. And, you know, the shower, is, the shower room is a, is a busy place. Try and reduce the amount of time that you spend in the shower. Um, maybe opt for a shower instead of um, <clears throat> trying to heat water for a full bath. That would save money. And then look at things like trying to cook efficiently. So even coming to boiling a, a, a boiling a kettle for a cup of tea, if you're only having one cup of tea, Someone yesterday made the suggestion, it's a person who lives on, on their own and uh, she has a little travel kettle and it literally just boils in, enough for a little pot of tea. Yeah, yeah, I mean that works. Uh, also as well with microwaves, you know, if you're reheating something, a microwave will be more cost effective than trying to reheat that in in the oven. Yeah, the oven the oven is a big pull, isn't it, on electricity? So to, yeah. to try and reduce the, the amount that you're using the oven or and again we, we might we might be asked by the government to try and reduce our consumption at peak times. I mean at the at the moment the the, the message is between five and seven. Um and that's a lot of you know, when 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 people will uh, you know, be preparing meals and the family are all together. But, you know, things like using a slow cooker are very efficient. And it's it's also possible using a slow cooker to batch cook a meal. So if you're cooking, I don't know, let's say a stew, for example, you could possibly cook, uh, you know, two or three dinners in, in one batch cost effectively using a using a slow cooker so there, okay there are ways yeah there's a, and yeah. i know on your if you people go to your website i know you've got uh, really good tips and advice on uh, switcher.ie but go back to switching uh, Owen. firstly are we getting better at switching i mean i've been speaking to you for a number of years on this uh, topic and at one stage you know we were nearly having to encourage people to do it people were very slow to do it are we getting better um, I, I definitely think yes, because there's there's so much uh, coverage in the media in terms of prices and, and, and households are seeing large bills coming in. So that's a trigger for them to switch uh, when the large bill comes in. I, there, there, there might be a perception that if I switch once, my job is done. You, you need to shop around every year and you need to switch every year because most um, electricity and gas uh, plans that you will sign up to... Um, they all kind of contain a 12-month discount and a 12-month contract. So after that 12 months lapses, you know, you lose your, your 30% discount and you're back paying a higher rate. But you're also out of contract at that time, so you're free to shop around. So really what you should you need to be is you need to be on top of your bills. So if you do sign up with a, a new energy supplier today, I would be making a note of that in my diary. I would be making a note of when I'm out of contract and when I'm free to switch. But as I say, it may be a viable option for households now that are in contract that only switched maybe three or four months ago. It may be viable for them to switch to a cheaper or rate now. Take a look and, and, and pay yeah. the yeah and, and, and pay. They would, 
and they would and they would still save money. Yeah, but definitely you you switch every year, or, or you look to switch every year, because sometimes the company you're with, if you go to them and say I'm about to switch, they might match the offer. Yes, that can happen. That can happen. Um, now, not all the time, but they do have like what are called retention offers, where you know rather than lose a customer, that they will offer you some form of discount. It it it, it may match what what your what you were planning to move to or, or be close to it and you're you're saying to yourself, okay, I'm 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 still getting a decent discount. I'm I'm happy enough to stay with my, my current supplier. But the 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 one hundred percent thing that's nailed on is that you do need to shop around every every year. Otherwise you're going to overpay for your energy bills and you know that hard earned cash could be could be used for, for something else. Be, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Gas, gas and electricity isn't isn't the only thing that's going up. Okay, like, somebody somebody up. says, could you please ask Owen regarding switching energy supplier? How easy is it to switch if you have a social welfare home care package? This is somebody obviously with free uh, free units. Yeah, it's it's um, that's uh, straightforward and will be no issue, and that will be transferred to your new supplier. So, um, when you're switching. The things that you will be giving to uh, your new supplier is uh, your, uh, if it's electricity, it'll be your MPRN, which is your meter reference number. And so that's, that's on, you, you find that on your bill? Absolutely, yeah. top right hand corner of your bill. And then you'll be asked for, um, you'll also be asked for your latest meter reading, your current meter reading. So what that is, is that's given to your new supplier and they tell your old supplier when to cut off your billing so they can they can take it over from that from that meter reading. And typically then most of the the cheapest plans in, in the market require people to sign up to online billing and direct debit. So if it's uh, direct debit, obviously you would need to give like your bank details or IBAN for example, um an online billing you would need a, an email address. The one thing I'd be I I'd be just piece of advice with online billing is very is very handy and it's you know it's, it's efficient etc it's greener there's no you know post being sent to the house etc but there is an onus on the customer to go and check their bills when it comes in oh you know? yeah yeah so yeah. i would just that piece of advice would be if you sign up to online billing make sure that you open you up check your, your emails yeah Absolutely. yeah, oh, yeah. Don't, don't but it is it is a re- it is a relatively easy thing to do it isn't that complicated it isn't like switching a mortgage for for example no, which is mo- no. which is much it, more complicated it takes, it takes about five minutes on on our side to switch um your gas and electricity so again the main thing is that you would have a copy of your gas bill and your electricity bill in front of you and then really the only other thing is that you would need your meter readings now some people have meters uh, under the stairs, some people have them in their in their hallway entrance to the home. Some people have electricity meter boxes outside the house, in the you know on 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 the side of the house. So you just need to know where that is. But again, you should be submitting accurate meter readings to your energy supplier on a regular basis. If you do not do that, um, your bills will be estimated, and there's a chance that it might be estimated maybe 5% more than your actual consumption. 5% at the moment is quite a lot yeah, because yeah. of the, 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 the cost of the unit rates for, 
kilowatt hours. So and then and then I, and I know the answer to this, but I'll put the question anyway. Richard wants to know if, if you switch, are you with are you without power for a period of time while the switching no, happens? You know, there, there, there's no yeah, difference. It, it's, it's a really valid question, and I think there are some what we would call barriers to switching where households maybe are not familiar with switching have have concerns that certain things might happen. Your supply will will not be cut off in any way during a switching process. Okay, somebody says, could would Owen give a suggestion of what supplier to go with for a new build with an air to water heating? Air to water heating. Um, I can't answer that on the, on the site. What we uh, what we compare is we compare residential piped gas electricity and also our piped gas and then wired electricity. We, okay. we, we don't compare, say, for example, uh, like solar units, for example. So okay. I think on, on that one, maybe the SEAA website might be a good place, place to, to go. To, yeah. Good to place search. to go. Yeah. All right, listen, you're a mind of information as always, and I know you're rushing for a meeting, so I appreciate you uh, taking time to chat with us this morning, but you can get further information and certainly compare who you're with and what's the best on the market at switcher.ie Owen thank you for that thank you very much and thanks for joining us good morning to you that is Owen Clark of switcher.ie 0818 103 103 Bernie's taking your calls you can text you can whatsapp to 0862 103 103 Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 I get back to there's a lot of calls and comments uh, coming in and I will get back to them but I want to move to a completely different issue because thousands of people are being put on hospital waiting lists for hip and knee replacements too early and could avoid the operation if they manage their condition better. That's according to leading physiotherapist Dr. Cloda Toomey uh, of University Limerick who joins me this morning. Good morning to you Cloda. Good morning, Patricia. Um, now, am I right in thinking that there has been an increase in the prevalence of osteoarthritis, which often leads to people needing hip and knee replacements? Yeah, that's correct. It's it's probably the fastest growing, um, you know, disease globally um, due to a number of reasons. You know, we do have an ageing population. Um, risk factors include, you know, obesity, which is on the rise as well. So that contributes. Um, but also people leading more sedentary lives or, um, you know, other risk factors are a traumatic sports injury when you were younger. So there's a lot of things that maybe are on the increase that are leading to um, what we see is, as a higher prevalence of particularly knee osteoarthritis and also hip osteoarthritis um, in our population. And do you feel replacement surgery should be the very, very, very last option? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's part of the, you know, our clinical recommendations worldwide as well, that it should be a last resort. Um, you know, the problem is, I suppose, that a lot of people aren't trialling, um, you know, the recommended interventions in the meantime, and maybe they're not available to them. Maybe they don't know about them. Um, surgery can be quite effective in those who need it. But we need to make sure that the people who are getting it are the ones who really need it at that time point that they've actually trialled everything else before then because with surgery there is always an element of risk when you're going under the knife um, you know that we do see that you know up to 10% have what we call an adverse event um, and a lot of people are actually maybe dissatisfied with the outcome after uh, and I'm talking about maybe up to 30% um, for knee replacements 
so and, 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 and I think Claudia even the ones where it's successful if you if they yeah. could have been given the option not to have had that surgery nobody willingly signs up uh, for surgery yeah. so talk to me about where does the role of the physiotherapist come into all of this yeah, so our first line treatment for osteoarthritis, you know, and this is based on global guidelines, um, you know, our exercise, education, and then weight loss for those who need it. Because as I mentioned, obesity is a risk factor. So osteo, you know, physiotherapists are, are very well placed and, and trained to deliver, um, you know, specific exercise programs, supervise exercise programs and deliver education as well uh, for people with OA. Um, and we have a program that we've, started here out of the University of Limerick. It's actually an international evidence-based program to treat people with hip and knee osteoarthritis and it's called GLAD, Good Living with Osteoarthritis um, Denmark. And, and you can find out more by, by checking out www.gladireland.ie. Um, it's a non-profit initiative and what we're doing is training up physios to deliver this evidence-based um, intervention. So, And is it actually know, taking people off wait, waiting lists? Yeah, so it is. Wow. That's, yeah, so we're at the early stages now, but because it's actually an international program, we can look and see how it's working in other countries as well. So started out in Denmark, um, you know, and you know when they delivered it to people who had moderate to severe osteoarthritis and they were, um, you know, had obesity as well, they were all eligible for surgery when they started the program. Um, but you know, the consultants were very happy to to operate on them. They were, you know, ready for for that, but they put them on this program instead. And, you know, up to three quarters actually declined surgery after they'd taken it because their their pain and symptoms had improved. That's so terrific. That's terrific. And, it, and if and when someone is diagnosed with osteoarthritis, yeah. is early intervention by a physio the best outcome? Or will give it the is. best outcome? Yeah. yeah, 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 indeed. Because if we can learn how to self-manage the disease, you know, on top of, you know, what's the best way to exercise potentially and, and, and have those interventions in place earlier, then we're much less likely to see, um, you know, worse disease progression over time. So early intervention is best. In saying that, exercise is beneficial for those people, with, even with severe disease. And I think a lot of people don't know that, that they'd be quite afraid to exercise and think that, you know, if, if it brings on a bit of pain, that it's doing more damage. But actually, it's not. It's just our joints being a little bit oversensitized, um, possibly, um, and not being able to, to adapt to it straight away. But over time, we actually see those pain levels come right down when people continue to exercise and, and, um, and have that kind of supervision. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of uh, no pain, no gain, uh, because y- you would hear people and it obviously is a myth that exercise is bad for the, for the condition you're saying it's, it's yeah, not. It's but it's, it's, yeah, the, it's yeah. the type of exercise, is it, that the person needs to do? Yeah, and, and actually the evidence tells us that, that a variety of exercises can help improve your pain. Um, in the GLAD program, we kind of focus on improving your movement quality, improving the strength of the joint and, and kind of giving you back the confidence. And that works quite nicely then. And people can actually apply that then to maybe other exercises that they like to do or they like to go to the gym or they like to go walking or running or, you know, whatever type of exercise that they like to do will actually be beneficial for them. But sometimes they need that helping step in the beginning to understand um, what's the best way to move um, and how to increase that confidence in, in your movement as well. Okay, I don't know if you can answer this question or not, but Breathe In Mallow says, uh, could you ask your expert, our expert is Dr. Claudia Toomey, a physiotherapist at uh, UL, um, about ankle replacement. How successful is it? I've yet to find anyone that I know that's had one and obviously it's been suggested for Breathe In Mallow, an ankle replacement. 
Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be my <laughs> area of expertise. We do like focus on knees and hips quite a lot with, with the GLAD program, but um, you know, ankle osteoarthritis is quite common as well, and, and you know, a lot of the time, a reason for that is kind of multiple maybe sprain injuries kind of throughout a lifetime, um, where maybe the the balance in the in the joint. The protection around the joint um, isn't as good over time, and they can be quite difficult to to get right. Um, I would recommend that your listener, you know, chats to um, you know their healthcare professional team, and really takes you know every um, healthcare professional um, input on board. If they've been through a physiotherapy program, um, you know, similar for this, and that has failed, and it, you know they haven't found relief for their symptoms. Um, then perhaps that is the next, yeah. um, the next stage. Yeah, yeah, the 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 last, as you said at the start, the last, the last option. Resort. Now, a couple of people are asking the same question: Is osteoarthritis hereditary? Uh, one person uh, saying, uh, "My mother and both of my aunts have osteoarthritis." I'm wondering, mm-hmm. should I be worried going into the future? There is a genetic risk there, certainly, but it's not the only risk factor. So, I think that about thirty to forty percent is is dictated by your genetics. But that doesn't mean that we can't affect other modifiable risk factors that are there. So are things like, you know, to, to watch out for would be making sure that you're quite active in your life. Um, you know, as I said, obesity is a risk factor. So managing weight is important. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and those types of things then can help to offset if you do have a higher genetic risk of developing it. It doesn't mean you're going to develop it at all. But, you know, it does mean that, that you are at higher risk. Yeah. OK, and I also saw you, your advice for children is to get them involved in a number of different sports and not mm. to just focus and specialise in one. Explain your thinking behind that. Yeah, well, it's it's based on, on research evidence, really, that's looked at, I guess, a lot of kids who might be, you know, picked out as being, you know, these, this is the future superstar in soccer or GA or whatever it may be. They focus on that sport then for the rest of their life, um, and that you know is, is causing issues down the line in terms of of them developing injuries a lot easier because they haven't had that exposure to different sports, to different activities, to different movement patterns, and it's kind of that repetitive kind of strain type injury that that we're seeing um, in these kids. So, kind of worldwide experts would recommend that actually kids don't specialise until they're maybe in their, their mid to late teens, that they maybe have something else that they're doing alongside that that sport and they can still excel in that sport. But as long as they're kind of doing something that, that mixes up the training a little bit, that seems to be important. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and monitoring their overall load as well so they're not doing too much of the one thing, you know, over over a week. And I should have mentioned at the start of the interview, today is actually World Physiotherapy Day. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I know yeah. you've got you've a free uh, webinar at the ISCP. We do, yeah. So the team this year is osteoarthritis, um, and that's that's <laughs> that's why we're speaking about it today. Um, so tonight at seven pm, there's a free webinar, and you can register on the ISCP website. It's www.iscp.ie, and if you go to events there. You should see the link for the 8th of September. Um, so tonight, myself and Dr. Helen French will be speaking about a lot of myths 
and busting the myths around osteoarthritis. Well done. Well, well done. And then anything you can do to, I think, to get people off uh, those hospital waiting lists and anything you do to relieve the pain because if, uh, anyone I've spoken to, yeah. I thankfully in touch wood, don't suffer from it. But anyone I've ever spoken to talk about, you know, incredible pain. So anything that can be done to alleviate that. Well done to you and, and well done for promoting it. Uh, Clodagh, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is Dr. Clodagh Toomey, uh, physiotherapist at University of Limerick. Can we give any advice to Eileen, one of our listeners who's contacted us uh, looking for information, inquiring about somebody applying for a driving license over the age of 75. You know, the over the age of 75 part is important because there's a medical search needs to go with anybody over the age of 75. It used to be anybody over the age of 70, but they've removed that to uh, over 75 because people are living longer, healthier lives. Thank God. Anyway, Eileen is wondering, somebody over the age of 75 renewing their driving license by post. Do you just complete the form and pop in the medical cert? And send it all in the one envelope. Is that all you need to know, need to do? And does it take long to get the license back? Thanking you for all your help. So has anybody recently applied for a driving license for somebody over the age of 75? And did you do it by post? Because I was just checking. I know during COVID times they were allowing people to post in the application because obviously the NDLS centres were all closed. But when I've looked online now at the National Driving Licence Centres, you either do it online or you go in in person. So I'm wondering, are they still allowing applications for over 75s by post? If so, how long does it take to get the licence back? And do you just complete the form and put in the medical report uh, with it? If anybody can give us any advice on that so that we can pass it on to Eileen, please do. You can text her WhatsApp 86 And then Pat sent in a text earlier. And I'm assuming, Pat, that your comment is to do with the teacher who is currently in Mount Joy, the teacher by the name of Enoch Burke, because Pat says, morning, Patricia, isn't it a sad day when a person expresses an opinion and his rights as a citizen and he someone has the power to put him in jail, uh, signed uh, Pat. So I'm assuming that Pat is talking about teacher Enoch Burke, who is, as we speak, in Mountjoy, even though he was he had a trip to the High Court yesterday and he said in the High Court yesterday he would never leave Mountjoy if to do so he would have to violate his conscience and his religious beliefs. Now, for those who, I don't know, because it's making all of the news, I think I've seen it on, on the news uh, nearly every evening uh, this week, he was jailed on Monday. Now, he was jailed on Monday for contempt after defying a temporary court order requiring him to stay away from the workplace, which obviously is the school that he teaches at. And uh, the injunction also says he mustn't attempt to teach children there. The board of management at the school, it's Wilson's Hospital. It's a Church of Ireland diocesan school in County Westmeath. They got the order last week after Mr Burke continued to turn up for work, despite the fact that he had been suspended during the summer. Now, he's suspended on full pay and it's pending the outcome of a disciplinary process. His suspension last month arose from concerns that the school principal had about his behaviour and the impact that that might have on the pupils in the school following incidents in which he publicly voiced opposition to a request from the principal to address a transgender child in the school by their preferred name and to use the pronoun they instead of he. Now, the only way that Enoch Burke can be released from Mount Joy 
is if he purges his contempt or of course a judge can also exercise a just discretion to, to set him free but to purge his contempt he would have to give undertakings that he'd abide by the orders which means he wouldn't go into the school he was in the school on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday uh, sitting in an empty classroom because obviously the school had suspended him so they weren't sending pupils in uh, for him to be taught he refused to leave the school until his timetable was finished the timetable he would have been following if he hadn't have been suspended so but during a hearing yesterday uh, Mr Burke was in court he quote he's representing himself by the way as well he quoted from the Bible and uh, Robert Frost's poem The Road Not Taken and he made it clear in no uncertain terms that he is unwilling to purge his uh, contempt and he said I quote I will never leave Mountjoy prison if in leaving that prison I must violate my well-informed conscience and my religious belief and deny my God. I can be a Christian in Mountjoy prison or I can be a pagan acceptor of transgenderism outside of uh, it. And um, now the one thing I have to say on this and I have been following uh, this particular uh, case and I've actually followed other court cases. This isn't the first court case uh, by this particular family. But anyway, that's that's beside uh, uh, that's uh, that's something completely different. But anyway, what has to be pointed out here is that this teacher is not in prison over his views about transgenderism and the fact that he doesn't believe in transgenderism. That's not why he is in jail. He's in jail because he ignored what is a lawful decision of the Board of Management to suspend him on full pay pending the outcome of the disciplinary process. Mr Burke is making it all about his beliefs and how he's against a transgender and it it is causing a bit of a storm because you know a lot of people and I've seen a lot of commentary online you know, with people uh, saying that he's in jail because he doesn't believe in, in transgender and he's standing up for his rights. And a little bit like what Pat is, is saying there, he's, you know, expressing his his religious beliefs and, and his, his own conscience. And that's not what this case is about. He is in jail because the school, there's a disciplinary proceeding going on uh, because of there was I know there was one particular incident happened at some kind of a celebration that the school was happening I think they're 260 years or something and there was this dinner that was being held in honour of the school and there was a heated exchange between Mr Burke and the principal of of the school I mean it got to the point that I think other teachers at the school had to stand between Mr Burke and the principal to get him to calm down and to you say, you know, this isn't the time of the place. And the principal has said to him, I'll talk to you about this, but this isn't the time of the place uh, to do it anyway. And it was out of that that there was a disciplinary process put in place. And until that, and that's that would be common in other schools as well, if a teacher is pulled up for disciplinary uh, matters, that they will be suspended on full pay until the disciplinary process happens. But you don't go back into the school when you are suspended. So that's what he is actually in jail for. But it's Mr Burke himself when he was in court yesterday and obviously the fact he's defending himself uh, he's very much pushing the fact that he he feels that he is in jail over there because he is against transgenderism but that's not that isn't what is going on but anyway uh, that's just an update on that particular story but uh, Pat obviously is somebody who's very much siding uh, with this uh, teacher and feels it's wrong that he is in jail your thoughts welcomed 0818103103 on the clocks going forward are back hi Patricia my name is Mary and I live near Mal- Mallow. You were on about the clocks 
uh, going back or not going back was the call in from one of our listeners uh, uh, earlier. But you, you, you would have to have a little pity for the farmer. Now Mary is obviously a farmer. Mary said, I was out this morning looking for cows. It wasn't bright until 7am. It'll be pitch black at 7 in another week and I'll still be looking for the cows. At least if the clocks go back, it will make it for easier for us, the farming community. So the farming community, very much in favour of the clocks going back. Um, but others are not because I can still see other people coming in saying love to have brighter evenings I'd put up with the darker mornings for brighter evenings but I suppose if you're in a case like Mary who's out farming and I don't know if that's across if all farmers feel the same way that they refer to the brighter mornings to the brighter evenings 0818 103 103 also getting reaction in to my interview with Dr Claude Toomey the physiotherapist who was talking about if there can be intervention from physiotherapies when osteoarthritis is diagnosed that there's much better outcomes that people don't need to go for hip and knee operations and, and I think anyone who's currently on a waiting list for a hip and knee operation would way prefer if they weren't on that waiting list and would way prefer not to have to go through the operation uh, but one listener says Trisha hi I'm 51 years of age I need a knee replacement it's from an old injury I'm on steroid injections the first two injections lasted five to six months and then a friend of mine recommended that I get I think it's the Aztec shoes uh, I think is, is what this listener is referring to for support since I got them I'm walking twice a day and I'm now I've only needed my third injection and that's lasted two and a half years foot support uh, is uh, essential and I would also suggest having listened to Cloda speak today and I did some research on this yesterday trying to particularly that GLAD programme that she was talking about take a look at 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 physiotherapy as well and take a look at uh, anything that a physiotherapist might be able to do for you but good to know that you're walking uh, twice a day you're obviously doing extremely well good on you and then someone else on to do with um pain and osteoarthritis etc says hi Patricia when I was a kid and a teenager there was no focus on exercise at any of our schools if you were a girl in secondary school I can clearly remember our PE teacher basically was a boys GAA coach we could watch them start shocking or try to find a basketball to play with it was just so bad so we never had any routine when it came to team team exercise or team sport. I had a further four years in college and my posture was brutal. Wear and tear on my knees from fallen arches in my feet. I'm now only in my 40s and I decided to go to a chiropractor. I've done a year of work on my back, neck and feet and it's great. I'd urge anyone to go to a chiropractor. They can resolve so many issues and avoid medications, replacement, disc collapse, etc. We need to invest in our health. And I think that's very much what the physiotherapists are saying as well. It's exercise intervention and some kind of intervention. It doesn't always have to be the medical model. Jill says, so I'm so glad today that boys and girls have access to exercise and to sport equally. And like I say, go to a chiropractor. They might be expensive and time consuming. Anyone with headaches, pain, numbness, tingling, immobility. I went with a bad pelvis and found my back was all out of line, resolving ankle, knee, back and neck and wrist pain to name but a few. So well worth it. Kind regards. And that's from Jill. Thank you for that, uh, Jill. WhatsApping 0862 103 103. 
And then Margaret in Demandway was on to say her social services card, this is the public services card we've been talking about all week, is expired for a, a year, but she's using it anywhere Anyway, she is not near an office, so she thinks it will be too complicated to get hers uh, renewed. Well, maybe give the local office a call, Margaret, and see what they can do uh, for you. But if you if it's if you're using the card away, it's fine. But you just don't want to get to a situation where you go to use the card and suddenly you're told you can't use it because it uh, it's out of date. I mean, certainly because of COVID times and they weren't renewing cards. They certainly they, they do seem to be accepting cards and we certainly found out that they, it was even if your card is out of date it's acceptable for social welfare and acceptable as well if you're on a travel pass. And then James in Cloyne contacted us and he said he's scratching his head and he's saying why do public services cards need to be renewed? Surely once someone reaches the age of uh, 65 they should be entitled to, same, to keep the same card until they die. When you renew it you get the exact same card back uh, anyway. Well I suppose for younger uh, people because remember James everyone is entitled to a public service uh, card I'm assuming everyone from the age of 18 I mean if you get a card at 18 you're going to have to get it renewed at some stage because the photograph when you're 18 is going to look very different to what you look like in your 40s or what you look like in your 50s but I think you do have a valid point when you say reach retirement age or get to the age of 65 or 66 you know how much you're going to change look wise over the next few years that maybe they could leave those cards or extend the length of time of the expiry date on those cards. I think you got a very valid point, James. Thank you for your call to 0818 103 103. C103 Jobs. Big Man Modular in Bantam. They're looking to hire an operations manager. Email your interest please to info at What a great name for a company. Full-time butcher is required at Lucy's Butchers. That's in Mallow. Email Ian Lucy. 2000 at gmail.com an electronics technician wanted it's for testing and debugging that's in the Carrick Tuhill area you email jerry at superlum l-u-m dot i-e and ground workers with experience please in pipeline excavation drainage and concreting wanted for the Cork area if you've experience in any of these areas call ward personnel on 021 233-9120 You'll find all the details and many, many more job opportunities by going online now Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more This is C103 Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 Now I was surprised to read that cardiovascular disease is more prevalent in this country than breast cancer among women with CSO figures showing it accounts for 26% of all female deaths last year So joining me from the Irish Heart Foundation to chat about a campaign called her Heart Matters is Janice Morrissey, who's Head of Health Promotion Information at the Irish Heart Foundation. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Patricia. And Good morning to your listeners. You're, you're very welcome to the programme. At what age does a woman start to become more at risk from heart disease and stroke? So at the age of 40s, 50s, as a woman starts to, uh, her body starts to prepare for menopause and go into menopause, um, that's when a woman's risk of heart disease and stroke starts to increase. But many women actually don't realise 
uh, that and that's really what our campaign uh, is about it's to take stock of your heart health now and to reduce your chances of having a heart attack or stroke in later life and you know many women um, you know are quite struck you know as you've said yourself that the breast cancer comparison women are six times more likely to die from heart disease and stroke than breast cancer so there's lots we want to do to raise awareness and to give the good news that 80% of premature heart disease and stroke is preventable through lifestyle changes. So it doesn't have to be this way. There's lots that women can do and we've got lots of free resources to help women on their heart health journey. We've got a free wellbeing journal to help women to stop and, and take stock of their own lifestyles and what changes they would like to make. And we also have a free women's health webinar coming up later this month on the 29th of September, where we've got a great mix of uh, of patients and uh, professionals to talk through women's heart health and what we can do to support each other. You mentioned menopause. What role does menopause play when it comes to heart health? Mm. So uh, when a a woman um, enters menopause, um, one of the uh, factors is that a hormone called oestrogen starts to drop. And oestrogen is a hormone that regulates women's periods. But it also plays a very important role from a heart health point of view. So oestrogen is the hormone that helps our blood vessels to be relaxed, to be open and to help to uh, maintain healthy cholesterol levels. So when a woman enters menopause and the hormone levels start dropping, this makes the blood vessels less flexible and this can cause high blood pressure and it can also cause cholesterol levels to creep up and that's where the the risk of heart disease and stroke comes in. And do you think many of us women are unaware of the risk factors? Uh, yes, for sure. And I mean, that's a research that that we've conducted. Uh, we did some focus group research with uh, women when we were developing the campaign. And uh, there's uh, a, a real kind of uh, interest in understanding that uh, heart disease and, and stroke is, is something that, you know, increases, uh, you know, with menopause. That a lot of women were very taken aback to hear this. So that's why we're why we're out there, yeah. uh, you know, with, with, with the message. But a very positive message as well, that there's, there's so much that we can do as, as women to reduce our risk through healthy diets, through being more active, through you know self-care and managing stress as well. So we've lots of really practical tips to help women on that journey. Because, you know, m- many women and, you know, many of them listening to this programme will be saying, you know, we all lead busy lives um, and that, you know, particularly working women and then you know, everything has to be done at home and looking after everybody else. But this is time really to reflect and say we need to be focusing on our own heart health. Mm, exactly, Patricia. And that's that's really kind of what was the women, you know, when we were developing the campaign said to us loud and clear, we know what we should be doing. We know we should be getting more exercise, eating our fruit and veg. It, it, the challenge is, is how do I fit in the time for me? You know, life is busy, caring responsibilities, be it children or older parents, you know, a career, you know, financial worries. There's a lot going on in, in women's lives in the for, in their 40s and 50s. So um, that's, you know, why it's really about, you know, just stopping for a moment and giving yourself that time to, to take. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Stock and, and thinking about, you know, what's, what's right for me. So this well-being journal we've, we've created uh, that's available for free on our website helps you to get in that right mindset and think about your habits and what would you like to change and helps you to set those goals and, and set yourself up for, for success and put a, a good plan in place. Yeah, and I know we do a nutritional slot uh, with a nutritional therapist on uh, on a Monday here on the programme, Janice. And it, it, I... I we're, I'm always blown away by the number of questions we get in from women who say, oh, I was going for routine blood tests and I suddenly discovered that my cholesterol was high. Completely shocked. Never knew that I had uh, high cholesterol. And people really get taken aback by it when they hear they have high cholesterol. How often should we be getting our blood, our cholesterol checked? Yeah, it's uh, once uh, you reach kind of the age of, of 30, uh, it's a good idea to have a check with your GP uh, every year, particularly if you have a history of heart disease in your family, when, of course, that puts you at increased risk as well. And the thing about, um, you know, high blood pressure and high cholesterol is that you don't know by looking at somebody yeah. if they have it. So, you know, you really do need to go and, and, and get it checked and, and find out what your number is and make a plan with your GP around how it can best be managed. And it's the same with blood pressure. If you've got high blood pressure, there's no symptoms of it. No, m- most people wouldn't have symptoms. So sometimes it's it's called a silent killer because you really don't know unless you get it checked. So, you know, we'd always uh, recommend, you know, even dropping into your local pharmacy, community pharmacy and having uh, a blood pressure check or if you're going to the GP for something else, just asking them to, to give it a quick check. It takes only takes a moment. It's pain-free and it just gives you that information to, to help you to, to manage your heart health. And then obviously there's, you know, lifestyle choices and changes we can all make. I mean, smoking is is a no-no. Getting more exercise and losing weight? Yes, uh, I mean, all of those factors are are really important for heart health. Um, But, uh, you know, again, there is no one size fits all, um, you know, message with this campaign. It's about each woman thinking about her own life and and what, you know, change or changes she's ready to make and feels able to, to uh, you know, to keep going over time because we can, we can all make lots of changes in our lives but the hard thing is to, is to keep going with them and to, you know, to build them into our, our daily habits as well. So, um, and, you know, there's lots of support, you know, out there on the irishheart.ie website and also if somebody is considering giving up smoking 
looking to check out the HSE supports on quit.ie. So there's, there's lots of help out there, um, you know, and lots of, of good information about very practical, normal changes that you can build into your normal daily life. Yeah, and I know you mentioned the hereditary aspect because I can see a couple of texts coming in on uh, people picking up on that, on a family history of uh, heart disease. Should One person saying, should should I be worried? Both my parents died of heart disease. Somebody else was saying parents and grandparents passed away all between either heart, heart attack or uh, strokes. Should that set alarm bells off? Well, I mean, it's, it's not that we want to, to worry people, but if there is a history, you know, in your family, it is good to go and get checked, have a chat to your GP and get a get a check around all of the different, you know, things that influence our, our heart health, our blood pressure, our cholesterol, our lifestyle. Um, and then, you know, and then once, once you know where you're at, you, you can make a plan. But I, I'd say again, you know, the good news is that 80% of premature heart disease and stroke is preventable through healthy lifestyles. So even if you do have a, a strong history in your family, there's lots that you can do to reduce your risk yourself. So, um, you know, it's not that people should be should be overly worried, but chatting to your GP, you know, will give you that information and will help you to, uh, you know, make a plan for, you know, for what's right for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that's the real positive out of out of our chat today, that that 80 percent of uh, heart disease, early heart disease and stroke can be uh, prevented. Uh, remind us again about the this is to to recognise and celebrate World Heart Day, which is coming up at the end of uh, the month, September the 29th, that free free webinar. Tell us about that. Yes, so we're having a free women's health webinar all around um, Her Heart Matters. Let's talk about menopause. So we have a, a great lineup. We have a, a GP a menopause specialist uh, who's leading out on a, a new menopause clinic in, in the uh, National Maternity Hospital. So uh, Dr. Deirdre Lundy. So she'll be on hand to deal with all the kind of medical side of things but we have a health psychologist as well to talk about that kind of self-care bit and how do I make the time for me how do I fit it in with my busy life um, and we have our own uh, dietitian, Irish Heart Foundation dietitian, who will be speaking about the diet and lifestyle side of things. And importantly, we have a patient as well um, who will be speaking about her own experience of living with heart disease. An incredible story, a lady who actually drove herself to hospital, oh. uh, believe it or not, when she was having a heart attack. And I think that just speaks to you know what, what women often do, that we, we just get on with it. And it's only when we reach a crisis point that we think about ourselves. So, um, so we've got a fantastic lineup and it's very much there's no there's no um you know medical terms there's no kind of slides it's very much women just having a chat a conversation around women's heart health and menopause so uh, everybody's welcome to sign up for free on irishheart.ie yeah and and it's the one thing i think that has happened because of covid i'm always trying to look for positives out of the pandemic uh, the amount of these free online events we all got used to doing things online and a lot of them are continuing but it's it's fantastic whereas i think before COVID events like this were held and people had to travel to, the, to it and it didn't always suit people to travel so you can you know sit in the comfort of your own home and log on to this Exactly and it will be recorded as well will so it? if you're not oh, free on the day it will be available afterwards it will be recorded and up, up on our YouTube That's channel brilliant. and I should say as well we will have Irish Sign Language interpreters uh, on the webinar as well so if anybody um, you know is, is interested in or knows somebody who might be uh, you know uh, use sign language then um, they're welcome to come Point along Point them well. in the direction as well and it's the irishheartfoundation.ie 
uh, irishheart.ie irishheart.ie and uh, Anna has just been on to say hi Patricia thank you so much for doing this slot on uh, cardiovascular disease today it's the first time I've heard things explained so clearly so thanks again so and it's thanks to uh, Janice Morrissey who explained it all uh, so well listen Janice real pleasure thank you for that Thank you very and, much. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That's Janice Morrissey, who is the health head of health promotion information at the Irish Heart Foundation. Look after your heart, girls and boys. We only have one of them. 0818 103 103. Bernie is taking your calls. You can uh, text, you can WhatsApp to 086 103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 Now, some calls coming in on energy and price switching, etc. Who was on to us about this first? Dennis in Lombardstown. Uh, he has a contract with Panda. But he said when he signed up to Panda, Panda put up their price. What is the point of these contracts? We see all of the energy providers, unfortunately, put up their prices. But as Owen was saying, if you're out of contract, switch to somewhere else because it's when you switch, that's when you get the best offer or else contact your your provider. And he even made the point because all of the different energy providers have put up their price that even if you're in contract I think he said it's about 50 euro to break your, your contract you might actually save more money by breaking the contract and going with somebody else so go on uh, switcher.ie or bonkers.ie they do the price comparison and you can take a look and see can you get it uh, cheaper somewhere else but Dennis you're not on your own uh, you sign up with a new contract thinking this is great I've saved so much money over the, or I will be saving so much money over the course of the next uh, year and then within weeks of signing up suddenly there was a price uh, increase it, it happened with every single one of the uh, providers but we seem to be at the latest round now of increases but the big question is will there be another one uh, because I'm with um, I, who am I with at the moment I'm with Electric Ireland at the moment and they put up their prices in this it, it was in August they, they had a price rise and I was thinking alright that'll be it now for the rest of the year and now it's going back up again in October all we can do is keep our fingers crossed that that'll be the last one for this year but we simply do not know but you still can switch 0818103103 let's go to uh, Sergeant uh, John Kelly from uh, from Oigard the station joining us uh, this morning uh, for our weekly crime file uh, good morning to you John Good, good morning, Patricia. And uh, you have uh, a couple of things that you want to uh, start with. Firstly, a theft. Yeah, the theft, um, and that was a number of tools that was taken from. Uh, there was a there was a chainsaw, a husk ground a chainsaw, and a number of other tools. Now they were taken at Mount Nagel Mallow. Now I know it was a, an orange husk ground. Now that was a power tool. Uh, that was. Um, the tools in question, you know, you're talking to, to the value of about 2,000. So I suppose I just, in this case now, the lock was broken off his head and uh, they were taken from the back. So I suppose it's, it's really just to let people know um, this kind of t- type of theft is back in a, in a small way. Now, this occurred between Thursday and Saturday last. So that's between the 1st and the 3rd. You know, no better times available for that. But if, if anybody was in the area and they saw unusual activity in Mount Nagel Mallow, you know, we'd appreciate, Gary at Mallow, we'd appreciate a phone call. And as you, you know, say, those, those power tools are expensive. Uh, and in this case, you know, the shed was locked and, uh, and everything. So they, they were trying to look after them. Mark them as best you can. 
Mark them as best you can, yeah. And, you know, it might be only get a couple of cans of spray paint and just might be only the logo, the, the colours of your local hurling or team. It just makes them, it, it just makes them that bit unattractive for fellas at a car boot sale. You know, maybe put your post, postcode onto them, you know, use, using a stencil, get a stencil made up, maybe with your postcode. Um, you, you know, again, it makes them, it makes them unattractive for selling on afterwards. Yeah, make it as yeah. hard, hard as possible. Now, you want to uh, give some details about a fraud. Yeah, the fraud now, and again, I'll give this as an advisor, because this is something that could happen at any uh, store, uh, shop or store, filling station around Ireland that has one of those pay zone machines. In this particular case, it happened down in Yall. Um, two uh, males, um, non-nationals, entered the shop and they requested to purchase 200 euro pay zone vouchers. The vouchers were printed off, they were placed on the counter, and there was a debit card used in the transaction was declined. Um, the retailer two vouchers quickly not have to be matched. So the retailer in this case believes a photograph be taken surreptitiously was turned, you know, which is quite likely the way it was done. You're Hello? you're breaking up slightly there, just just, just Sorry, move slightly. Teacher. Okay, so so the, when the card was declined, while the obviously the person working in the shop was trying to work out what was going on with the card, somebody took the photograph of these vouchers. Oh. And now this this is something we've seen before, you know, and uh, like for people to treat them as cash, you know, until such time as do not let them uh, onto the counter until such time the money has been handed over. Because this is something we have seen in the past being, being done, uh, photographs been taken, covert, uh, you know, out the codes. And the same thing applies to uh, maybe getting getting phone credit, you know. And of course, so once uh, once they all the the, the person that. The criminal in this case, they just need the code from it in order. That's to, all. Yeah, so That's it's like it handing them two hundred euro in this particular instance. It is, yeah. It is, yeah. Oh, that's, so, okay. so for people just be aware of that because this is something will be replicated in other areas around the country, you know. And again, it's something we have seen in the past and will no doubt come back as well, you know. Okay, so if anyone um, comes in, pays own, you don't hand it over until you have the money or the card has gone through. Some burglaries to report. Yeah, uh, one one burglary. One burglary I just want to mention, I called there last Monday, the 5th. Now, I'll just say it happened in the Charleville area. I won't go into specifics, but it's just a cautionary tale. And there was some cash taken taken from a house. The house was left unlocked. So I, I'd appeal to people, you know, if you're going out of the house, as in this instance, you know, just make sure that you've checked, you know, both doors and all windows to make sure that the house is, is, is fully locked up, you know. Um, it, 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 it may not even have... Uh, in, in some cases, you know, it won't actually end up being, being, a, being, a, full, being a full break in. You know, it might be only somebody going around, uh, you, you know, trying, trying houses. You know, so I, I'd say to people, just make sure that your, that your house is locked up. Then the other break in, and that occurred, um, that occurred in, in the in the in the Mallow area uh, as well. Um, but just to give you an idea, it was kind of uh, sorry. It occurred actually in Ballyhay in Charlton. Um, six o'clock in the morning um, on Saturday last, uh, an occupant of the house heard glass breaking downstairs in his home, and he saw the kitchen window broken. He went outside and he observed a male leaving the property. Now, along with a couple of family members, he went after this male, detained him. Guards arrived on the scene. Uh, the individual was arrested and uh, brought to Ballow Guard Station. Now, uh, the, 
one thing taken in the in the in the, in the incident was key to care because uh, we put on the individual that was arrested. Okay, you're, 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 like you just move slightly. You're breaking up again. So they, sorry, it, it, sorry, the keys of a car was taken. Keys of a car were taken. You know, high value car that if it had been uh, um, taken, you, you know, this yeah, was valuable car. Valuable car. And just before I go, uh, Patricia, I'd just like to mention there's two Garda commemoration events. One is on the 18th in Mallow, 18th of September. The second is on in Fomoy on the 25th of September. Now, um, we'd uh, just ask that people, maybe families that are retired or deceased members of Ungarda Shikana, um, you know, if they could contact the divisional office in Fomoy to make arrangements, there will be, uh, as appropriate, either a medal or a commemorative. These are just the continuing of the 100 years of Angarda Siakona, isn't it? Correct, Patricia. Yeah, our, main yeah. event, our main event for the Cork North Division was held last week, last yeah. Sunday. That was down in Cove. Um, quite a large number of people attended and uh, everything went well despite the, the weather advice. Yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah. That was there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, and it's great that individual stations are doing it as well. So anyone, uh, either a, a, a former member or if you had a family member who was a former member of Angarda Siakona. Exactly, yeah. you know, and or, and it may be the family of some a member of the Gardaí Shukars who who died in service. Okay. All right, listen, uh, thank you for that. I'll let you go. Thank the you phone line much, is a great, but we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, that is Sergeant John Kelly from Formoy, Garda Station. And any of those crimes that were mentioned, if you can help, please uh, make contact with your local Garda Station. And somebody says, Patricia, I remember waking up at 4am one morning to find a robber in my bedroom. It was in the Newmarket area. It was very, very traumatic. Oh, God, that's got to be everybody's worst nightmare, isn't it? You know, whatever about being broken into, you'd hate the idea of your house being broken into, but I think to be lying in bed and t- to wake up and see somebody in the room. Yes, I can fully understand how traumatic an incident like that would be. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. We are looking for your pet questions. Uh, please, you can call Bernie 0818 103 103 and you could text or WhatsApp a pet question to 0862 103 103. And just on pets, well, on animals, uh, Ashleen in Carrick was on to us earlier to say she saw a dead mallet in the lake by Aldi this morning in Carrick Tool. Now she phoned the Department of Agriculture. She said she'd made 20 attempts, but there's no answer. So she contacted us to say, what else can I do? I want to uh, report this uh, dead bird. Now we, we did track down a helpline number for a Dublin number, which was different to the number that Ashleen uh, was calling. And we've passed that number on to her and she's promised us that she'll go back and let us know how she gets on. But that hotline number, if you do come across any dead or a bird in distress the number is Dublin 607 2516 and I know I was reading yesterday on Cork Bio uh, dot ie that East Cork residents have been raising the alarm over avian uh, flu uh, because there has been a number of dead birds found on the beach in Yall. Now the Department of Agriculture is saying that there are increasing reports of the virus in wild bird populations but they know, we know for sure that it's in Northern Ireland but it now does very much seem that it has reached Cork and of course the Department of Agriculture saying it is, it's a do not touch uh, warning. 
that they issued yesterday morning after a number of wild birds were confirmed to have had the highly contagious avian flu, particularly in coastal uh, areas. And seemingly there was a number of dead gannets. Well, three dead gannets uh, were found around the high tide mark between uh, Clay Castle and Red Baron beaches. Now, they, whoever spotted them reported them uh, immediately to the Department of Agriculture. And we were only earlier on in the week. I had uh, Christopher O'Sullivan from West Cork on because he had recorded over the weekend he had put up quite a distressing video on his uh, on his Facebook uh, channel uh, where he he spotted a, a seabird who was in very obvious distress on Inchidani Beach and he was raising his concerns about avian flu arriving into uh, the uh, area. So uh, it does look like it's here and it's, it's, I mean, remember this is a highly infectious virus and it can devastate bird uh, populations and also um, domestic chickens and turkey uh, flocks uh, as well. And, you know, an outbreak in Munster clear difficulties for farmers and for food uh, producers. So uh, thank you to Ashley for contacting us and being really, really responsible as well. She just wasn't going to let it go. The fact that she couldn't get through, as I say, she will let us know how she gets on with the Department of Agriculture. But to, to, to just to give that warning to anybody else, if you do come across a dead bird or a bird that is in any way distressed, please do not touch it. Uh, but the advice is is to contact the Department of Agriculture and report what you have seen. 0818103103. Some people have been on about the driving licence. Remember earlier this morning, I had a text in from a listener uh, wa- wanting advice for somebody who needed to renew uh, an over 75 driver's license was wondering if they just complete the form put the medical report in and send it off is that all that you need to do and how long does it take and I didn't know if they were still accepting them by post or not but I've had a couple of texts in on it including Colm in Butterwind was on to say his driver's license uh, was out uh, and he doesn't go online he doesn't have the facility to renew it online so he wrote to them within a week he got the form back which he said arrived pre-filled out he just needed to put in his own PPS number and sign it his doctor filled in the medical cert for uh, him popped it in the post he said he got his licence back after about 10 days so for because that person wants to know how long does it take about 10 days Colm said but he did it through the post and that was about a month ago thank you for that Colm but then Michael in Castletown Roach was on uh, he's over 75 he said he went into the Mallow office he got his driver's licence um, all sorted out actually my husband um, well he's not over 75 but he was in yesterday getting his driving licence as well and again anyone that goes to any of the NDLS office be it the one here in Mallow or anywhere else they all talk about how friendly and helpful the staff are but of course a reminder if you are going in to the driving licence centre, they don't take cash. So you have to bring a debit or a, or a current card or credit card with you or some other form to pay them, but they, they, they don't take cash. But um, anyone who goes in, as I say, they always say that they're just so kind and friendly and helpful. And it's a very, very quick process. But I do accept that for everyone, it is impossible to get into their local office. That's why the online option is there as well. 0818103103. Mike in Knocknagree has been on to us to say he has a large collection of plastic bottle tops. He is convinced that he heard me at some stage speak to a lady in, he reckons it was in the Kilbehany area who was collecting plastic bottle tops and if his memory serves him right, it was for some kind of a fundraiser for a wheelchair. Does that ring a bell with anyone? Uh, I was talking with Bernie in the office about, about this and I for the life of me, but then listen we go through so many interviews here, I sometimes can't remember what I did this morning let alone what I might have done a number of weeks or months or even maybe a number of years ago. So does that ring 
ring a bell with anyone does anybody know of any lady in the Kilbehany area or indeed anywhere around Cork who's collecting the plastic bottle tops and they're collecting it for some kind of a fundraiser if you could help us with that please because Mike has been collecting them and he'd like to pass them on 0818103103 I can see questions coming in for Jane our resident vet keep those uh, coming in uh, please also some commentary coming in on the teacher that I mentioned um, Enoch Burke this is the teacher who is currently in Mountjoy Jail for defying temporary court orders requiring him to stay away from the school where he teaches and not to attempt to teach children there. He he is out. He's been suspended on full pay pending a disciplinary process but he was told as part of that suspension he wasn't to go anywhere near the school and when the school reopened last Wednesday Mr Burke turned up for class he sat in an empty classroom Mon- Wednesday, Thursday and Friday I think he was back there again on Monday that's when he got arrested because the school then went to court because he was breaching the injunction that says he shouldn't have been anywhere near the school he was back in Mountjoy yesterday per- uh, he was given the chance to purge his contempt he refused uh, to do it and he said I can be a Christian in Mountjoy prison or I can be a pagan acceptor of transgenderism outside and as I explained why he's in jail has not got anything to do with his views on trans um, gender uh, people it's because the board of management had suspended him on full pay pending this disciplinary process and there was a court order saying that he wasn't going anywhere near the school and it's the breach of that court order there's a number of people are backing and supporting him John in Clonakilty says on that teacher in jail it's a disgrace says John that this man is in jail my god this should have been sorted out by the schools board of management it's after now being blown out of all proportion Uh, I bet if they all had their way back then this wouldn't have happened. There's no winner uh, here. Listen, absolutely. And certainly from the school's point of view, they did say the last thing they wanted was to have Mr Burke put into jail. But because he refused to leave the school and they were afraid of... Uh, they had concerns of the way he was treating the principal and the impact that it would have on the other pupils in the school that they felt that they had no other choice but had to go uh, to the courts on this one. But yes, absolutely, it is an issue that really should have been sorted out and it shouldn't have been ending up before the courts and it certainly shouldn't have been ending up with a man in jail. But, you know, we've got laws in this land and it's in, in it, Mr Burke is very much using this to, because he's defending himself in court and it's getting reported on obviously in all the papers and here we are talking about it on the radio he's very much getting his thoughts and his religious beliefs and how and how he feels about this transgender child that's in in his school but that is not it's absolutely not what this court case is about and someone else Heidi says morning Patricia oh my god this this teacher treatment is outrageous whatever happened to free speech so I'm assuming Heidi uh, you also think that this has gone too uh, far 0818103103 uh, somebody else says um, this is reacting to Mike with the bottle top. Somebody else says as well that they thought that they remembered a collection as well, that it was certainly a collection for charity. I just have absolutely no recollection of doing an interview. And as I said, that's not to say that I didn't do it, but I have no recollection of anybody collecting plastic bottle tops because I'm trying to think what would you collect plastic bottle tops for? I know they can be recycled, but I'm trying to think how they could be 
changed into monetary form. It's a little bit like, you know, when they when schools and other charities do clothes collection. I absolutely can see how that turns into money because those clothes are then bought, they're weighed, those bags of clothes and shoes that are donated are weighed and they're bought by companies who then go on and sell them on. So I can understand that. I just can't work out how plastic bottle tops can raise money for an organisation, but I could be completely wrong. Anyway, we've put it out there. Let's see if we can get an answer, particularly for Mike, who has been collecting them on the back of, he thought, as I say, that we were, that we certainly did it uh, here on the programme. It's just I don't have a recollection of it, unfortunately. 0818 Bernie's taking your calls in particular we're looking for your pet questions uh, please because Jane will be joining us soon on the programme or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie Now the University of Galway is offering a one year free slash subsidised master's degree in agricultural innovation Now it's aimed at adult learners who want to develop a new product or a business idea The deadline has been extended to the 23rd of this month It's mostly remote learning with a Occasional Saturday seminars in Galway. You can contact walterbernard.carlson at universityofgalway.com for more information. The Jimmy Horgan Memorial Golf Classic is taking place today in Douglas Golf Course. Uh, the event is to express gratitude to the staff of the Mercy University Hospital. There is a table quiz in High Street Bar in Newmarket tonight, half past eight. It's hosted by the Newmarket Juvenile GAA. McCroom Flower and Garden Club, they're holding a floral demonstration by Margaret Ahern. It's entitled Autumn, a Second Spring. It's on tonight at Cool Car House in McCroom. New members and visitors are most welcome and inquiries please to 087-982-1708. Carrigaline Alzheimer Cafe, it's held on the second Thursday of every month and is open to people living with dementia. Their family, carers or anybody involved in caring for somebody with dementia. First Cafe will be held uh, this afternoon in Carrigaline Family Support Centre between 3 and 5. The special guest, Dr. Bard Daly, consultant geriatrician at CUH, speaking on living with dementia. Uh, for further details, you can call Linda at 087 955 And Kildare Community Development, they're holding their weekly lottery draw this afternoon at 4 in the local community office with a jackpot this week of €5,100. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. And Mike in Knocknagree with his collection of the plastic bottle tops that he's been collecting. And he swears to God that he heard an interview. The reason he was collecting them was there was a woman on this programme who was collecting them for some kind of charity. And uh, he now has loads of these bottle tops and he wants to pass them on. A number of people have said, and now I do remember this, including Nicola in uh, Fadan, said, I remember you doing a shout out for plastic bottle tops and particularly certain colours. It was for a school outdoor mural and Nicholas had no idea where the school was but could the mural have been part of a fundraiser? I do remember that and, and, and I'll try and find out because I can't remember where the school was and a lot of other people are saying it was a school in West Cork it was that did a mural 
um, and they needed different colours to complete the mural. I do remember that. Can you remember what school that was? But I, Tim, that wasn't a fundraiser. That was just something gorgeous that they did in, in the school. Was that during lockdown as well? I think it was because if I remember rightly speaking with the teacher or the principal and they got the children to go out in their pods to do their own little bit of the mural. I certainly remember that. But that no, I absolutely that wasn't that wasn't a uh, fundraiser. Michelle Abandon says, Trish, I also recall the bottle top collection. Uh, if I remember rightly, says Michelle, it was a collection for a wheelchair for a child in Cork. That's what Mike in Knocknagree is saying as well. He says his memory was something to do with a wheelchair for a child. Michelle Abandon reckons it was four or five years ago. Well, I wouldn't have a hope of remembering it if it was four or five years ago. And thank you to Michael, said the mural was Enniskeen uh, School in West Cork. It was. And is that mural still there? I'm sure it probably is if it was with the fact it was plastic bottle tops should they last forever don't we know if they end up in the sea what happens so it was great to see young children the school children using them for a benefit other than you know them going in for landfill or ending up as I say in the sea and ending up uh, damaging our marine uh, life thank you for that uh, Michael and um, uh, Bally Ballymoney National School is that the one in Enniskeen Ballymoney National School uh, thank you uh, I tell you people have great memories way better memory than I have I can tell you 0818 103 on the driving licence oh my god Patricia I've just heard you say if you go into the driving licence to renew your driving licence they don't accept money what happens if you don't have a bank account what happens if you don't have a debit or credit card there's a lot there's a lot of us that still deal in cash what is the world coming to okay don't panic you can still get your driving uh, licence they what you if you well, if you don't have a bank account you probably don't have Google Pay or Apple Pay but what you can do is you can go into any shop that has pay zone vouchers funny enough I wasn't I only talking about the pay zone with uh, John Kelly on the guard the five you can go into pay zone and you'll see the sh- you'll you'll see outside the shops they'll have a sign outside usually on the door saying that they do pay zone so you go in there for a standard driving license it's 55 euro you go in there and you get a voucher for 55 euro from pay zone and you bring that in and that's as good as uh, cash so it doesn't mean that just because you don't have have a debit or a credit card or you don't have Google Pay or you don't have Apple Pay that you'll be turned away you won't but they just they can't they no longer except they just don't have the facility to accept cash and I think at the time it was something to do I don't necessarily I'm not necessarily saying that this was to do with Covid times but I think it's to do with security and safety and you know not having safes and whatever and the easiest way is to have either at all online or with those vouchers 0818 103. And then cutting down on electricity, a lot of people just worried about this call that we're going to have for all of us to reduce our electricity and particularly during the peak hours of between four and seven. And will we end up with blackouts this winter? Hi, Patricia. Cutting down on our use of electricity between the hours of four and seven that's been suggested is crazy. What about home carers? who have a person that they are caring for who are in one of those special beds that have heated mattresses and it runs by remote control. Would Eamon Ryan please wake up and come out of the clouds? These beds have to be plugged in 24 
7. We are very quiet residents in this uh, country, particularly carers, who do without to make sure that the person they're caring for is okay. And the very idea of the electricity being switched off, particularly during those periods between 4 and 7 or indeed any time of the day, is absolutely crazy for those of us that are battling as uh, uh, carers. Uh, the government are asleep. They don't have to survive on low incomes. And there's, I've heard of more and more people who have either themselves unwell or somebody in the household who, who is unwell. One of the obvious ones when you're talking about if there was to be power outages is somebody who does home dialysis. You're on home dialysis for many, many hours. The electricity can't go off in the middle for somebody on home dialysis. And then somebody even mentioned one that a lot of people have, the sleep apnea machines, because, you know, they might, they, the idea might be, oh, they might, switch off electricity at night or in the evening times or whatever and what about somebody who needs a sleep apnea machine they are run and there's a lot of people have them they're run on uh, electricity so there's lots of people from a medical point of view that have to have electricity so all of that's going to have to be taken into consideration before we'd have any power outages now we did you know people talk about what happened back in the 70s when there was a fuel crisis and there was power outages uh, but I don't think things like home dialysis wouldn't have been going on. Beds like that carer is talking about, would they have been around at the time? You wouldn't have had people on sleep apnea machines. So the same problems weren't there back in the 70s. It's a kind of a very, very different situation today. But all of that will have to come into consideration for sure. But the government uh, will not force householders to reduce their heating or indeed to turn off or turn down any of their heatings during the peak hours. And that was a direct quote yesterday from the Taoiseach. Michal Martin's comments came obviously after the what was seen as a dramatic move by the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen I don't, I don't know how many people heard Ursula von der Leyen uh, yesterday which could see mandatory energy reduction targets introduced right across the EU and obviously this is in a bid to try to tackle the soaring co- costs however Michal Martin came out yesterday and said that Irish people will be asked rather than forced to reduce their energy consumptions during those peak hours of between four and uh, seven. Uh, Micheál Martin urged the public not to forgo electricity or heat if doing so would put their health at risk. Now, a public information campaign will be launched to encourage all of us households and businesses to avoid using appliances during the peak time, but we'll just be encouraged uh, to do it. Uh, Micheál Martin says it's not about one person looking at what the other person is doing. He said it's just about people being sensible insofar as we can in terms of our energy usage. Micheál Martin said every family will have their own different circumstances, like our carer here with the bed that has to be plugged in. They can't decide to switch it off. Um, They're just going to have to have it on. And he said the advice generally to the public will be do the best you can. That's all that will be asked. He said the campaign will not be about telling families when or how they use their electricity, but it instead it will on the general theme of energy efficiency. Now, Ursula van der Leyen said yesterday that the EU will look to cap the profits of energy providers who do not use gas and member states, he, she said, should rechannel these unexpected profits to support the vulnerable uh, people. And that move is uh, seen as distinct from an across-the-board windfall tax. Remember, there there was expected that Ursula van der Leyen would introduce an across-the-board windfall tax, but she's kind of rolled back a little bit on that. But I did read in the Examiner today a really good piece 
uh, quoting Paul Dean. Now, Paul Dean is a senior research fellow fellow at uh, UCC's Centre for Energy, Climate and Marine Research. And he says he finds it difficult to understand how the European Commission's proposal for mandatory cuts in energy use can be achieved. And he said, I quote, I think we need social solidarity. We need buy-in. We need to encourage, inform and educate people on how to do that. And that's why he was happy to hear what the Taoiseach had to say. He said, turning off the lights will have no meaningful impact. He said, what it'll do it'll just simply inconvenience people he said we need to distinguish between essential use and discretionary use and he went on to say things like tumble dryers dishwashers showers the dreaded immersion he said we need people to understand that it's not about using less it's about using power at different times to take the pressure off the peak he said those things will have a bigger impact from an energy security perspective and he said we don't have to go back to the stone age and all sit in the dark and everybody sitting around a candle he said we just have to be smarter about how and when we use our power so I think making a lot of sense and very much I think the Taoiseach is of that view as well and I think the Taoiseach very much understands that in his comments yesterday. So I just think people are worried when, you know, when they're hearing of everybody, you know, households having to reduce and particularly those peak hours, people are fearful that everyone's going to be forced to do it and the Taoiseach clearly saying that is not the case. 0818103103 Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, uh, joining us on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And, and you are very welcome. Actually, this is kind of appropriate for the wet uh, weather. Somebody was on to say, I just don't know, they didn't say the type of the dog, but they said they were out for a walk and the dog got absolutely soaked and that smell of wet dog. Uh, could Jane, is there anything that can be done about it? <laughs> I think it's it's always one of those things that rocks around every autumn or winter. The smell of wet dog seeping into the house is something I I encounter myself with two little dogs. Um, I think probably the easiest way is to avoid them getting super wet. So obviously just timing your walks, not get um get super super wet but that's not always possible in this climate i'd probably suggest maybe a little raincoat or something like that um it can just kind of uh shield them against the worst of the sogginess and a lot of the time you won't get that big wet dog smell a lot of the time as they come in the door as well if you can have a an old towel or something just to clean off their paws and kind of clean off any damp areas that's that can sometimes help to abate the smell a little bit um, but it is one of the part and parcel of dog ownership I'm afraid but a raincoat I'd say is a good investment yeah okay all right this is a listener says please don't call out my name which is fine but this is to do with a feral cat now she'd been on to us a while ago and you'd given advice about a feral cat about trapping and neutering which she did I trapped the mama and uh, one kitten I've had them uh, neutered I'm dreading really I'm, she, the cat has been picked up this evening I'm dreading releasing her in case she just runs for the hills when I was trapping her with the other kitten to be neutered there was one kitten that I wasn't able to trap now the kitten is still in the garden and is lost without the mama and the other kitten uh, will the cat will the she's, will the remaining kitten help her settle does uh, Jane think she's afraid she'll just take off with the fright she's after getting having been neutered 
Mm, she she may well help her settle a little, but it, it's not unusual for them to scarf her, particularly after a trap neuter release type situation. Um, because obviously if we're quite a wild feral cat, we haven't got a lot of contact with humans. So we might be a little bit stressed after that whole event, but it is in the best interest of themselves for their health, but also for controlling the cat population long term. I would probably suggest the best way of dealing with the situation. If you have a shed or an outhouse or anything like that, somewhere that you could put the the one remaining kitten that wasn't able to be caught and per- perhaps the, the mother and the little kitten that did get spayed, if you could pop them in there for a few days and give them food and water, that would, I suppose, it twofold. It would help them to settle. It would ensure that after she's been spayed, she has some recuperation time before she's running amok too much outside. I suppose if we were in a situation where we had a pet cat after spaying we would normally advise that they stay indoors for 10 to 14 days after their procedure and are kind of kept really really nice and quiet now those guidelines kind of have to go out the window in a trap neuter release situation because obviously feral cats you know their stress levels are different in a home environment and it's not feasible but i would suggest maybe as a halfway house to get them to settle get them to reunite with the kitten that was left behind and avoid the scarperings if you have anywhere you could pop them an old shed or outhouse just for a few days with food and water before releasing them and opening the door i think that'd be really helpful if it's not possible it's not possible you've still done right by the cat getting it neutered um so feel feel good about that and look yeah. if they scarper they scarper yeah. it's, it's helping to control the cat population yeah well done and if more more people could do that and and well done to that mm-hmm. listener because the the kitten the little kitten was a male and she got the male uh, neutered as well Brilliant. so so well done because lots Brilliant. of people have a tendency to focus on the female cat and not on the male cat. Now Lorraine has, has an interesting one that her 60, her six year old son, her little son, has developed an allergy that the doctor thinks is from their pet dog. Is it common for children to have allergies to dogs? Um, it's not my forte, I okay. must admit, um, dermatology. What I will say is that, you know, lots of people, I know some of my friends are allergic to dogs and cats. I even know one or two of the vets that were on my course were allergic to specific animals. Um, so it's quite the occupational hazard. Um, I suppose it is very, very different from person to person. I suppose human medicine is not my area. So I would say certainly allergies to anything from, let's say, a dog, cat or human perspective, are possible so I suppose an allergy is possible but I'd say it's probably best to have a chat and um, with your doctor and see if there's any further testing that's required from that perspective but certainly dog allergies are a thing that exists. They are yeah because you can get some specific breeds can't you that that don't shed for example? You can get breeds that shed less but pretty much everything will shed to a degree. Um, okay. So I, I think certainly some pe- some people will tend to be tend to have a flare up in their allergic system symptoms symptoms with certain types of dogs that might have like really really heavily shedding hair and might have a symptom reduction with other types of pets like poodles but they still shed by the nature of them they have a certain amount of hair turnover but it is far reduced in comparison to most other breeds so you know it is something worth looking into if you really want to have a family pet but I suppose what I will say is before you're taking on it on a let's say if you were taking on a breed that was going to be let's say supposedly less kind of allergy inducing you know you are taking on the responsibility for that pet and its lifetime and its outcome and if things don't work out and if it doesn't help with the symptoms then you have to think well what's the plan b what's the backup plan there so just make sure that the pet is protected as it were but a um, difficult situation my heart goes out to you it's really yeah, tough it is it is yeah okay john has a three-year-old german uh, shepherd 
fine and healthy. Yesterday, for no unknown reason, he ate his food and then he threw up almost immediately. He was a bit quiet for about an hour afterwards, but he's perfect today. Could it just be one of those things? could just be one of those things i'd say keep a really close eye on him for the next few days it may be that he might have had a minor tummy upset he might have eaten something when he was out on a walk in which case you know if there's further vomiting that's something they need to go to your vet about but it is possible sometimes dogs they will bolt down their food so eat at the absolute speed of lightning it hits the tummy the tummy doesn't like it and it makes it make an exit through vomiting again so sometimes very swiftly eating the food can cause bolting of the food and then vomiting when the tummy's a bit unhappy about the load it's had all of a sudden so if it is something like that finding a way to slow him down eating might be helpful now it doesn't sound like a regular issue for him so if that is the if that is the problem just keep a little eye on it but if you notice that he's in any way off form over the next day or two or if the vomiting continues it's always best to visit your vet but as as I say it may just be one of those things a little bit like we ourselves can get a bit of a stomach bug you never get to the bottom of what it was and and then you're fine uh, again afterwards okay Geraldine says this is an elderly cat she's noticed that the cat's breath has started to stink never smelly breath before Uh, she's two other cats and they're they're perfect she's wondering could this be a dental issue it's in an older cat at least at least 10 years old I think I think our listeners bang on with their conclusion. Top of my list would be dental disease. So if this cat has a smelly mouth all of a sudden, it's really, really, really important to visit your vet at this point so that they can examine the mouth, do a full physical exam and assess whether your pet needs dental work. So sometimes that might just be a scale and a polish to remove the tartar. Um, and certainly tartar can cause a, a really nasty whiff. Sometimes they can get secondary infections of the gums that may or may not need treating, depending on what the situation is. Um, but it might be that your pet might require some more extensive of dental work sometimes they can have really quite nasty abscesses so deep infections around the tooth and sometimes that can be the culprit for an, a sudden onset really really bad smell from the mouth um, so I think in this situation well noted I think you've probably come to the right conclusion visit your vet to get him checked out there are other things that can cause a smelly mouth um, so certain types of kind of uh, tummy upset can cause a smelly mouth it's a lot more rarer than dental disease or sometimes if there's something stuck in the mouth um, that can cause a, a nasty smell from the mouth but really really top of the list is dental disease so it's best to get it seen too Okay, Laura has headed back to work after maternity leave. Congratulations, Laura. Uh, Between maternity leave and uh, COVID, she's been in the house all the time with Charlie, her cockapoo. Uh, She's back at work now nearly two weeks and she said the dog is absolutely distraught with separation anxiety and her neighbour has told her that he is howling all day while they're out of the house. Would Jane have any suggestions? Okay, this is a really tough one um, because I suppose your dog has had a, you and both your dog and yourself have had a really big change in lifestyle in the past few weeks. And by the nature of going back to work, it's always very sudden. Um, So the dog, in his mind, he hasn't had any warning, so he hasn't really had any adjustment period. But look, that's the nature of it. Um, This is a really tough situation to solve. I would say my top tips really would be if there is somebody who can call in on your dog or if it's feasible to call in on your dog more frequently for the next week or two, that may or may not be feasible with your job, then I would say that can certainly help. I think a lot of the time separation anxiety, once they get into a routine again and they know that somebody's going to come back to them regularly, you know, dogs are, are creatures of habit. So sometimes that will settle some of them. Others will require a little bit more help. I think if that doesn't settle your pet um, or if I suppose other things like distraction, so Kong toys or the plastic stuffable toys, keep them entertained for a little bit while you're leaving. If that doesn't settle them down, then it really might be worth speaking to two people. Speak to your vet, 
and speak to, well, speak to your vet and then maybe get a recommendation for who they would recommend as a veterinary behaviourist. So somebody that would come in, assess the situation and tailor a plan for, you know, working through the anxiety with your own dog. But recently there are kind of some some kind of anti-anxiety medications that have come on the market for dogs with that are licensed for separation anxiety as a temporary measure. So it may actually be worth speaking to your vet about whether that will be appropriate in your pet situation, because obviously we don't want them to be stressed. But it is a, a temporary fix whilst you kind of institute other behavioural measures to work through it. So working with your veterinary behaviours would be really a key part of that. So I think your vet is your pers- first port of call to have a chat about moving forward. But the neighbours saying that the dog Charlie's howling all day I mean that is separation anxiety isn't it that's what the dog's doing it sounds like it is yeah, yeah. and I suppose that's really distressing for you as an owner but it's, it's distressing for the neighbours yeah. as well but I suppose that stress of knowing that there's not a lot you can do while you're out of the house it's you know it's a really yeah. really tough yeah. situation and you have to, you so. have to go to work on, yeah. unfortunately and a final exactly. one from uh, Peter could uh, Jane give a recommendation of a breed of dog that would be a best companion for my dad my dad lives alone but he does love to walk we finally persuaded him that that a dog would be great for him. What is the best breed of dog that they should be considering for his dad, an active retired man who loves to walk? Okay, to be honest with you, I think there's plenty of options out there. But apart from a single breed, what I'd suggest in this situation is a rescue dog. Well done. <laughs> um, so if if your dad is retired, he probably has a, a bit of time on his hands, I would assume to, you know, settle in a new rescue dog and try and get them used to a new routine. Taking on a rescue dog, I can hands down say, is the best thing I ever did in my life. I had my own little dog, Sally, for quite a while. She was a golden oldie and she had a great time. So I think for a retired person who's really active, there's plenty of rescue dogs out there of many, many breeds. I would say, you know, something active is pretty much any dog who's in good health. Um, I would say unless you're an experienced dog owner, taking on some of the more difficult larger breeds, for example, Huskies, Rotties, Collies, I wouldn't advise unless you're experienced in handling dogs. But I think any any kind of Heinz 57 crossbreed that seems active and happy to move and has good mobility should should fit the bill. And in the process, you're you're giving a, a little dog a second chance at yeah. a great life. So and I would say rather on, than a breed, yeah, And get rescue. on to one of the local uh, rescues because in, mm-hmm. in many times they know the personality of the dog. They'll know exactly what is going to suit your dad. Exactly, they can. So there's plenty of local rescues, but also just, I suppose, the, the biggest rescue in the country, the ISPCA, who, who work with pets that are in very difficult welfare situations. They you know, have a team that are really good at matching up um, dogs and they will have plenty of variety there. And I suppose a retired person, you know, gives them options for yeah. having somebody who's maybe at home and has more free time. So contact them as well as some of the local rescues. OK, well done. Well done. Listen, have a great week. We'll talk to you next Thursday. You too. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Jane. That is Jane Pickett, the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Ashleen is back. Remember Ashleen who contacted us because she saw the dead bird earlier this morning in uh, Carrick Tool. It was a dead mallard. She'd no luck getting through the Department of Agriculture. We gave her a new number, uh, which she rang. So she said she phoned the Dublin number and they told her to get on to her own county council, which she's now doing, uh, to tell them to come and remove the dead bird. Uh, she 
she said when she was chatting to the person, she did a bit of research for us and she said the person at the end of the line on the Department of Agriculture said they are inundated with calls and they're asking please, because obviously the, the phone lines are obviously very busy uh, into, into that helpline. They're asking people to download the app, Avian Check app. And actually, I think we mentioned that during the... Did we mention that when we were speaking with um, Christopher Sullivan? I think we did. But if you do the Avian Check app, because you can actually download the information onto that app and that information then goes straight through to the Department of Agriculture. So thank you for that, Ashley, And well done to you uh, for going to great lengths to make sure that that dead bird had been reported. So that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10. On to the line, Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.